Hello and welcome to the All or Something Living Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Kepler, and I'm a recovering perfectionist who made the choice to swap rigidity and impossibly high standards for joy, ease, and flow. Now I'm on a mission to boldly build an impactful, insanely successful business and to help other women do the same. So if you're ready to up-level and step into the next version of yourself, then join me as we commit to imperfectly designing the business and life of our dreams. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the All or Something Living podcast. I'm really excited this week because we have our actual first legit um, interview. So as you guys know, I've had Jason on here before, but I've never actually had a guest interview and we are speaking over Zoom today. We are talking to the beautiful, wonderful, inspiring LCB, who actually just so happens to be Jason, my husband, for those of you who don't know, his cousin. And we connected, honestly, I think we've been following each other for like years now on social media. We connected years ago. I just knew of Elsie as the... um, Herbalife coach back then. And we've just, I mean, we've watched each other's lives unfold, I think, for the past few years from a distance. And then this year, we've just gotten closer, I think, just connecting through our stories over um, quarantine. And then Elsie started a podcast this year, which I'm really loving. And that's the main reason I wanted to bring her on here. And her podcast is called Wake Up or Break Up. So I'm just going to have her introduce herself and just talk a little bit more about what her episode or what her podcast is about and why she started it. So hello, Elsie. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I want to say congrats on 100 episodes. That's like really awesome. So Thank kudos you. to you. <laughs> and also, I don't know if, well, no one probably knows this, but you were one of the main reasons and inspirations for me starting a podcast. I thought it was so freaking amazing that you were able to just be so authentic and to put yourself out there and to really embrace this lifestyle of, you know, being a coach and helping other people. And, and yeah, and you actually gave me this amazing why I led with beautiful inspirational because I didn't want to be like oh she's a this or that because you're so much more than that thank you I appreciate that of course and just a side note you guys the guy that she's talking about is my um podcast uh, what is it called like the starter guide or something that'll be available to you in the show notes or I'll put it up on Instagram as well um so Elsie tell us Let's get to the nitty gritty here. Tell us what your podcast is about and why you started it. Oh, God. (laughs) It's like one of those things where, you know, you talk about it on your podcast, and then when you talk about it to other people, it's like, does it sound crazy? But basically, I had a business with my husband for eight years. Uh, We got married on a TV show, and... 
business with one of our clients. So as a result, we ended our business. I ended up moving out and I just needed an outlet to talk about it. And the first few months, you know, he was a little uncomfortable with me telling people that he cheated. Like basically I just told people, oh, we're separating, we're getting a divorce. And that was, it was so gross, it was so hard to lie and not tell people the truth. And so when we decided to make things work and work things out, which is weird, it's like that's when he was like, okay, well, I know you need to do this to help you process, so go ahead and you can share our story. And I shared our story. (laughs) I don't really hold back. I kind of share the details, how it happened, what I thought, what he thought, how we're working things out. Uh, He's been on a few times, and and yeah, that's kind of where, where we're at now. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when your first episode came out. And because I knew that you guys had separated, but obviously I was like, it's none of my business. I'm not going to pry or whatever. Um, and then the first episode came out and I just remember I reached out to you afterwards because I was like telling you I was on a roller coaster of emotions. You are such a powerful storyteller and the way that you just, I mean, I could tell that you shared it from the heart and that this was your way of really like working through the emotions and, you know, the experience of being cheated on. Um, and I think it's really important that we're able to talk about things like that. You know, I, I think it's also really courageous of Joe to allow you to open up because people can easily judge him. And I'm sure some people have, um, but that's kind of part of the process, right? Like the nitty gritty of it all. It's not pretty, but there are so many people out there who have experienced infidelity and who are, in this place where they feel ashamed to talk about it, to share their story. So you really give people a space to hear your story. And then now in season two, you're bringing people on to open up about their stories. So what has the journey been like for you? Like after you've started this podcast, cause you're how many episodes in now? Um, So from the start of your podcast to where you are now, what sort of transformation, like what's been, what has the journey been like for you? I can definitely say that, I mean, starting out, I didn't even know what I was going to talk about. I, I knew I wanted to do a podcast. Like I really thought that that would be something cool to try instead of doing, I used to do YouTube videos and it was so annoying to have to worry about what you look like. And I wanted to really remove myself from that because working in health and fitness for eight years, what you look like and what your body looks like and everything was so important. And I was like, F that, like I was so over it. And so figuring out what to talk about and then how to talk about it in a way that wasn't staged. Like I, I was, when I first started, I I tried to do it more PC, like not calling anyone out, not giving too many details, like a podcast my mom would listen to and then I was like this is effing boring and it wasn't helpful and I think the biggest transformation for me was owning my story and just being like girl this is what you went through this is what other people are going through just just do it like just 
embrace it and share it. And I think what really strengthened me or helped me was people would message me and they didn't know that I had been cheated on, but they would say, you know, like it happened to me, my husband cheated on me and we worked it out or my husband cheated on me and I walked away and I never heard as many stories about people getting cheated on and staying as I had about people getting cheated on and leaving. And so for me, it's like, gosh, I wish there were more examples of this in the world because cheating is usually a deal breaker. And for most people, we learn, oh, you got cheated on, you better leave. If you're a strong woman, you got to walk away. You can't be with someone like that. Yeah. Yeah, which is exactly why I wanted to bring you on this podcast because it's the All or Something Living podcast. And here we like to explore the gray area of things. And I think that is like a message that we're taught is that, you know, um, cheating is a deal breaker for marriage. I remember growing up in the church and being taught that the only excuse for a divorce is death and infidelity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a big... Um, it kind of imprinted in my mind. I was like, cheating is a deal breaker. It's, there is no, like it's black and white. There are no gray areas. And then I grew up obviously and started to see examples of other relationships. Um, And then somebody close to me was cheated on, their wife cheated on them. And it was devastating to the family and um, to just watch everything unfold. But I saw this person wrestle with the fact that like, oh, if I'm a strong man, I'm supposed to leave this, this person. And just like I said, seeing it all unfold, I was like, honestly, I think you're a stronger person if you can actually like stand through it and figure out what exactly it is that you want to do and cast everybody else aside. So what has that been like for you as far as, I mean, do you have family members that listen to your podcast and have commented on it? Like what have have the opinions been like and do people feel called to tell you their opinion? What's really interesting is that, well, my mom's not on social media and so well, she's not on Instagram, and that's where I share everything, so she has no idea, and I don't think I would ever want her, not that I would want her to listen, but she's, you know, she's Filipino, and she's super judgy, and I, I know she probably wouldn't be a fan, and what's surprising is that, like, my sister was the one that motivated me to put Joe on blast for cheating, and I don't even think she's listened to it, so... The people closest to me are probably the ones who haven't given me any feedback on it at all. And all of the feedback I get is really from other people and just, you know, women and men in similar situations. Like, this is speaking to me. I, you know, it's nice to hear this other perspective. I mean, they even appreciated Joe coming on because I don't think a lot of people hear from the person who actually cheated. And so that was really powerful, I think. It was. I really appreciated those episodes with Joe as well because, yeah, like I said, I reached out to you for that one too. I'm like the courage that he has to just show up and own his part. And I think that's really an important factor in fidelity or in infidelity is that both parties show up and and that's something that you've done really beautifully as well is you've owned your part and um, you've also held him accountable for his part. Um, so that's been really refreshing to see as well. 
All right. So what were your initial thoughts? Like, what was your opinion on infidelity before this situation? What were your feelings during and what do you feel about it now? That's a really good question. (laughs) I know, like, when I found out that Joe cheated, it was one of those things where I just felt so stuck because... I knew I had to make a decision, like, oh, shit, like, I didn't ever think I'd be faced with a make-or-break point in our relationship, and to have to make that decision of, oh, God, is this a deal-breaker for me, too, that was huge, and I had to physically leave first, and I think I also had to, I don't want to say threaten Joe with divorce, but I, I took it seriously, and I told him, I was like, something that you knew was going to break us up you did it to break us up and so I want you to know the repercussions of your actions and so I got the paperwork for divorce I filled it out I gave it to him I was like these are the papers for divorce now you have to think like is this something that you actually want to move forward with or do you feel like you made a mistake and is this something that you want to work on and he you know he was like I don't want this I don't want to divorce I don't want to be separated you know like let's work it out I'm sorry and it just made me realize that kind of like you say life isn't all or nothing it's not just okay you did something you're the worst person ever now you don't get another chance it's done and it's not black and white it's not like he cheated he's the bad guy I got cheated on I'm the victim like there was more layers and the podcast gave me the opportunity to kind of peel back those layers and see okay I there's more here there, it's not just his fault I have like you said I have some blame in it as well like I had a uh, I contributed to what happened and something that someone said to me that really stuck out was they said you got married and you took vows and you know he betrayed those vows and then when I really thought about it I was like yeah but vows are like for better or worse and what if this is the worst, you know, because we actually hit our worst, no one expects to get to the worst, but, you know, because we did, does that mean, you know, I'm going to walk away? No, because I said for better or worse, so that's, that I think is one of the biggest things that helped me, you know, decide to stay. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, too, to, like, pay attention to the vows, because, you know, when your friend said that, you took vows or he broke the vows. I'm like, oh, interesting way to look at it. But then you said, oh, for better, for worse. And I know, you know, vows are something to be taken seriously. When On your wedding day, you, ha- you have it in your heart and your mind, like what your intention is for the marriage. And I also think that relationships are supposed to evolve and continue evolving. So you can't really hold yourself to this like standard that you set when you, cause you guys were married, what, how many years ago you said? Eight? And nine, yeah, it would be 10 this year. Wow, wow. Yeah, so you said these things like years and years ago, um, not saying that it's okay to like break the vow of like, oh, it's okay to cheat on you or whatever, but there is something, and this is where I wanna go into next. There's something, there is this wake up or break up moment that I feel that every relationship kind of hits that point and their point, everyone's point looks different. 
And so this was kind of your and Joe's point. What what were the events? And again, if you guys want to hear more of the details of Elsie's story, go listen to her podcast. She tells all the details um, and she does share some of this in there. But what were the events that led you up to that point where like, what do you think? Where do you think it was? Were there red flags along the way? Um, What led you to this breaking point? That's a really good question. Um, for me, I think the first thing, and I don't want to tell people not to have kids when you're older, but <laughs> I never wanted to be a mom. I never thought I would have kids. When Joe and I got married and when we got together, we were both very clear that we didn't want to have children. That was just our agreement with each other. And, you know, out of nowhere, Joe decides, you know, he wants to have a legacy. He wants to have a son. And I really, it took me a long time to wrap my mind around that. Like, oh, my God. Like, because it's your body, you know. And I ended up getting pregnant. It took a long time. Like, the process took a year and a half. That took a toll on me mentally because why were we wearing condoms and using protection all this time when it was so hard to get pregnant? Like, we could have just been free. Well, anyway. But, <laughs> another tangent. <laughs> yeah, right. That's another episode. Um, <laughs> but it was like, man, it, it was so hard. I got pregnant. The pregnancy was amazing. Childbirth was not as amazing. And then postpartum hit. And that was probably the biggest breaking point for me because... Up until that point, Joe was the primary focus of my world, and my sole purpose in life was to make us work. How can I make things work for us? What are we going to do together? What are we going to figure out? How are we going to conquer the world? And then it was, I need to breastfeed banks. I need to put banks to bed. Are you going to help me with banks? You're not going to help with banks? You suck. You're going to work? Ugh. You know, like, it created this, it was like a human wedge. And, um, and that was really hard for us and it was hard for me and, and yeah, so I would say that was the first, the first part was the postpartum. And then from there, I think I just stopped caring Mm. and I was like, okay, well, I think I, I started having thoughts of cheating myself and and I just didn't really care to touch or reconnect with him. And that's that's where it I, – I didn't know. Honestly, I was clueless that he would even cheat. I just was so disconnected myself. It didn't matter. So what got you to that not caring point? Like, was it just the fact that, like, you felt like he wasn't there for you or didn't recognize your postpartum? Like, what made you just be like, well, fuck this? What was that point for you? <laughs> like uh it's funny I say this on my podcast um but it's totally relevant because he comes home like he goes to work every morning and does a 5 a.m class you know he was playing in a basketball league because he needed to do things that made him feel alive again Mm -hmm. and gave him purpose so he was playing basketball he was going to the gym he was teaching his classes I wasn't doing shit and it wasn't like he didn't allow me to but I was taking care of our son, and I didn't have the energy or the bandwidth to go and do anything for myself, and so he comes home, and he's like, I don't know if I can keep pouring love into you and not receiving it back, 
And I was like, F you. Like, I didn't care. I was like, that's effed up because I sacrificed my body for you. I had this child because you wanted to have a child. I'm raising this child. I'm breastfeeding this child. I'm sleeping with this child every night. And you don't know if you can continue pouring love into me after I've poured love into you for freaking 15 years. Like, F you. Like, I just, I was done after that. That was like... I do not care. <laughs> like, it's whatever. Mm. So you guys kind of hit the, started to hit the wake up or break up moment, like long before everything happened. Or how long after that point that you had hit that he cheated? I would say it was probably starting to decline, like the fall before, the fall prior. So he cheated in January. And then I would say, like, September, November-ish of the year prior, so last year. And, and yeah, I just, I mean, but he'll, he'll say that we were declining for a long time. Because he's always had, like, little nitpicky issues about me. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, they just weren't deal-breakers at the time. And then all of a sudden, they became deal-breakers. Um, I didn't know they were deal-breakers for him. I just thought it was his duty as a husband to suck it up and deal with it while I went through my stuff but I guess two and a half years was a little too long (laughs) me being in my bunk well I mean that's a hard position for you to be in too and it's easier said than done when you're out of the situation and you're looking back and like you're like oh all of a sudden it all makes sense but like when you're deep in it and you're just I mean so many factors go into that being complacent in your relationship having a new baby postpartum like that postpartum alone is enough to really mess with somebody so um okay so my next question is did you guys have any sort of like maintenance routine in your relationship prior to all of this any ways to check in did you go to couples therapy or anything and then now that you've had this moment has that changed and what have you learned about that that's a good question before we broke up or before joe cheated we actually taught classes on how to be good people and you know how to speak up in your relationships and and with people that you love with our clients and I would time from time to time like sit Joe down and ask him like you know why do you hate me or like why is the vibe weird you know what what can I do to hate me less to have you hate me less and I'd bring out a whiteboard and I'd like jot down his ideas and you know I'm like I'm very much into self I guess correction like I, I just always wanted to be like the best partner possible and you know we would do that as our maintenance just kind of checking in or calling each other out when we fell off and that was something we've always done and I think maybe towards the end we didn't do it as much or maybe he was just kind of so fed up it didn't matter you know if we talked and so since then I would say that we've gone to like couples coaching twice which is helpful I mean it's it's more like when we were on our TV show and we would get interviewed by someone and we're just like kind of bantering. So we're very good at being on when we're together with someone else. So I don't know if that's as helpful, but I think mindfully we are more, okay, what are your pet peeves? 
like let's be honest and call things out when we see them and not be afraid to ask each other for clarification when we're feeling confused or doubtful or uneasy and so that is probably more than anything else helped just radical honesty with each other Mm. yeah and once you've kind of hit your rock bottom I think it's easier to get to that point where you're like well we have nothing to lose or we've seen what our our PC nature has done to our relationship in the past and you know what that's like what really um that really makes me curious um about like infidelity or really I guess fascinates me about it have you looked into Esther Perel's work at all yeah. So she has some really interesting insights um, about that and about like infidelity and really just allowing it as a tool to provoke curiosity in your relationship of like there is really no one answer of why somebody cheats. And it's so like interesting to try and get to the bottom of that. And in, I think a lot of cases, it's because you've hit this really complacent point in your relationship and maybe you've told your partner, like, hey, the, there's something wrong here, um, but it's not really, like, sticking. And you just need that rock-bottom moment to really, like, appreciate and to understand the severity of the situation. So do you feel like having that moment for you guys was necessary to get to where you are now? Or do you feel like you wish there was another way? Or what are your thoughts on that? Oh, my God. so happy he cheated I'm so happy he did it breaks my heart it makes me want to vomit when I think about like the context of it and actually the act of him doing it but when I think of the person I was before he cheated and I think about the person I am and how much I've grown because of it I I wouldn't trade it I wouldn't say I want to go back in time and erase it mm-hmm. it was so effing necessary for us for for him to do that so And that's a really big gray area to say, you know, for you to admit that and for you to even like say that too, just shows the type of person that you are. You're somebody that's going to take a situation and turn it into like Beyonce's Lemonade album. That's like one of my favorite of all times. Yeah, she literally like turned her pain into art. And like, I think that's what we're supposed to do is like figure out, okay, where is this supposed to go? So was there a point when you found out and then you like moved away or you went on your own where you hit this point and you're like, like, what was the wake up moment for you where you were like, oh, and then, uh aha, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Joe like did I I don't know like it's 
it was really fascinating that you brought that up. Wow. That's, I've never ever thought of it that way, but I do notice, and this is like, okay, so are you ever, I forget, are you on TikTok? No, I mean, I I watch, but I'm not on it. Okay, so if you watch TikToks, like, I don't know if, like, what you know about the algorithm of TikTok, but it's insanely spot on. And so somehow, a few times I've ended up on cheating TikTok. So make sure that like when you're on TikTok, you only like the videos that you want to see more of because yeah, it's spicy to hear all the like details and stuff. And you're like, oh, this is so interesting. But I'll notice if I accidentally end up on cheating TikTok and more of these videos show up, I start to look at Jason differently. And then I start to be like, oh my gosh, this is a a hint. And then he'll be home from the gym like 20 minutes late. And I'm like, something is off, Jason. (laughs) Because it puts ideas into your head. And yeah, I guess that really is a form of manifestation. And especially, um, what song is it where they're like, as much as you accuse me of cheating, I might as well have. Like, they get to a point where they're just like, you don't even trust me anyway. So, you know, why not just go for it? Right? Oh my gosh. Wow. I didn't expect it to take that turn. (laughs) (laughs) people like losing weight you would be surprised how many people come to me with relationship stuff like oh my husband doesn't appreciate me or my wife doesn't listen and she's such a terrible wife and I found myself like applying those problems to my own marriage even though they weren't relevant I was like oh my gosh does Joe do that or you know does Joe think I'm like that but I wouldn't talk to Joe about it I would just assume that that was a part of our relationship too and it was Mm. it was terrible that really made things hard for us yeah that's a really good lesson right there to if you're in a relationship be really mindful and intentional about what you're consuming there the nice thing about having an open line of communication and again Jason and I had our wake up or break up moment years ago which I'm coming on your podcast in a little bit to talk about um but we had our wake up or break up moment because um I, oh, I forget where I was going with this. I got to a point where, um, I kept, oh, where was I going with? So after our wake up or break up moment, it really opened up a line of communication for us to be able to like say the things that we didn't want to say before because we didn't want to upset each other or whatever, you know, learning that that doesn't really work. So me, um, being able to do that now and again being more intentional about what I'm consuming I'm able to have that conversation with him and I have the language to say so say I like watch this video of somebody cheating or whatever and then I have that like moment and I can just say to him he'll come home late from work and I'll just walk him through it I'll say hey babe I watched this TikTok today where the girl said this. It got me paranoid. So the the story that I'm telling myself about you coming home late is that you cheated on me and that you went to your girlfriend. Like, I'll take him through the details of what's going on in my mind. Because I have a very, like, I really like, I have a really imaginative mind and I'll go everywhere. (laughs) And so having that safe space to be able to say, like, I'm not accusing you of anything, 
but this is like what the story that I'm telling myself. And for him to say, oh, your mind is so silly. You poor thing. You have to put up with that. And then us just laughing about it and moving on. What do you, what are your thoughts on like that level of communication? And is that something that you and Joe feel comfortable doing or what do you think? I mean, I think like in the past, uh, it wasn't something that we would normally do. And I think for, I don't know, I can't say for all marriages, but at least for ours, we kind of over accommodated for each other. So we were basically how we describe it, like walking on eggshells because we didn't want to say something that would set off an argument and we didn't want to say something the other person get pissed off because originally if I would say, what are you doing? You know, I have this feeling that something's happening. He's like, oh my God, you're dumb. Like, you know, why would you think that? Why don't you trust me? Blah, blah, blah. It would like be this whole thing. And now I think it's still the same comment, but the reception of it is different. And I think that's like the biggest thing with our communication is that we're more accepting of what the other person is saying and then acknowledging that, okay, that's their opinion, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to instantly change myself or that they're mad at me or I don't have to take it personally. I just accept it, hear it, acknowledge them and then move on, which is so nice to be able to have like, these awkward conversations and especially for me because I come up with the most effing awkward questions ever and so for him to entertain it it's like thank god like it's so refreshing for the relationship yeah 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 it really creates like a sort of connection between you guys to be able to just share like I mean that's the point of a relationship and that's you know what brings you together even after having kids and stuff is that like you still have that point of connection where you guys can just, that's your person that you can share everything that's on your heart. So is there any sort of saltiness now when, if you do like, does he get defensive if you bring up, um, it, your thoughts about him cheating or a lack of trust or anything, or does he feel like this is warranted? And then how do you guys navigate that conversation? Yeah, I mean, saltiness is a very good description. (laughs) My response to him when he gets a little uh about it is, look, buddy, you cheated, you know, you created this space for distrust, and it would be nice if you would just entertain it instead of being irritated every single time because, you know, the trust isn't going to be built back right away and the doubt isn't going to be gone just because you feel better. Like I still was cheated on and I still have those like insecurities. And, and so now it's just a matter of, you know, thinking about stuff, saying what I need to say and him getting over it. And, you know, his knee jerk reaction is always like, Oh my God, here we go again. And I, and usually like before I'd be like, Oh no, he's uncomfortable. Let me back off and not say anything. And now I'm like, F you. Yeah, I asked it and I'm going to wait until you answer me. So what do you want to say? You know, and I'll wait and, and then he'll eventually tell me. And sometimes I have to ask on multiple times and through multiple days because he doesn't want to answer in the moment, but that's, that's where we're at is I don't want to have these doubts and that's going to tear our our relationship apart. And he needs to acknowledge that answering them helps our relationship and helps me feel better. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. So would you say that's the primary way that you've 
worked on building back trust or how, I mean, how do you bounce back from that? How do you build back trust after infidelity? Yeah, it's, I don't honestly, I don't know how people do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you have to throw like everything you ever believed out the window and just say like, okay, we're in this space. How do we function? Like, and I think what has worked for me is using my body as a compass to tell me, Elsie, it's not sitting well. You have to say something because mm. you know sometimes there's a time and a place, and for the majority of our relationship, it's me just like choking back what I wanted to say until like I got really pissed, and then I just vomit all of this anger out. And so now it's honoring my body and not even allowing an hour of discomfort or five minutes of discomfort. If I feel something, then I'm going to say it and I'm going to ask it. And Joe acknowledging that and saying like, okay, she is going to effing say whatever she wants. So if I want to be with her, I need to answer and I need to be honest and we need to not be husband and wife. We need to be freaking friends and talk to each other. Like, you know, like we really genuinely care about each other, which is sad to say you wouldn't care about your wife or husband. But I think Husbands and wives are easy to disregard, and friends are sometimes people that you pour more time and love and energy into because you don't see them every day. Okay, so one thing that I have also seen in relationships where one of the people like cheated is it is brought up often um, afterwards, and especially during fights or used against the other person. Have you and Joe set any boundaries on those types of conversations? Like, I think, like you were saying, it's important for you to be able to voice your feelings and your thoughts and to get them out. Um, actually, let me backtrack because I know where I was trying to go with the last thing that I was talking about, building trust, being able to say what you want to. Um, that was a really big, that's been a really big thing to build trust in our relationship. My relationship with Jason is to just be able to like say what's on your heart and like to not build it up because then it builds up resentments. And that's part of what creates distance between you and your partner is that like, there's like this, this space between you guys of all these unsaid things. And then the distance is what causes somebody to feel, well, I'm not getting what I want in my relationship Maybe I should go elsewhere and try to find it elsewhere. But what's interesting is in your guys' case, Joe wasn't trying to find, as far as what I understand, he wasn't trying to find something elsewhere. He was actually just trying to sabotage the relationship, which is really just a whole different, like, that's some really serious (laughs) sabotage. And what, how have you been able to bounce back from that knowing that, like, I mean, is it hard for you to feel like he was being vengeful and now do you struggle with like feeling like he might do that again? Or do you think that now your communication allows him to like not get to that place anymore? Yeah, I, well, like to your first point about like, do we bring it up in conversation? No, I don't. I mean, I do in a joking way. Like if it's like, if he's in a good mood, but I don't use it maliciously, like, you effing cheated, so, you know, you need to shut up and listen to what I'm saying, although I do think about it sometimes, Mm -hmm. Um, and then as far as, you know, gosh, I just had, like, a brain fart, but, (laughs) like, to the second part of your question, I don't know, um, 
many things about it and do you remember what the last part is because my brain is just farting both of us I've had to pause this audio a few times you guys because I've just been like well you guys know this is my first time interviewing and also I'm like totally out of it this week um so yeah so if our conversation lulls a little bit we're trying our best so but surprisingly I do remember the second part it was about um hit like him sabotaging the relationship on purpose and like what makes you think like how can you trust that he's not going to do that again I don't trust that he's not going to do it again Mm -hmm. I definitely know that it is a possibility because although you know you're all or something Joe is very much all or nothing and I think that was his mentality going into this is like okay I don't want this business anymore financially I'm super stressed we're not making enough money I need to end this and Elsie's not listening, she's not, you know, participating, so I'm just going to blow this, ugh, the whole thing up. I'm going to blow up our life, our business, everything, and I cannot put it past him that if he's pushed into a corner and he's desperate and he is grasping at straws that he won't do something like that again. And how does that make you feel in the relationship? Do you ever have this, like, insecurity, or did you get to a point where you're like, I'm whole on my own and so whatever happens happens or like how do you cope with that every single day yeah I think uh something that I wrote in my journal which for anyone who's going through this journaling is so freaking helpful but uh there was one journal entry that I wrote and I was like he is not mine and I think that was one of the biggest realizations is that Saying I do and doing these vows and calling him my husband and I'm his wife does not mean that he's entitled to stay with me for the rest of his life. That anything could come up, anything, anyone could come in between us and he would be gone. And not just from cheating, not just from divorce. I mean, people die, people get sick, things happen, and I can't depend on him being there for the rest of my life in any context and that's just not fair for him it's not good for my sanity and so I think when I you know embrace that realization he's not mine he can leave at any time I don't know what the future holds and I have to be okay like you said with just being okay with me Mm -hmm. that helped a lot so you're just taking everything in day by day and just seeing where it goes which I think is really powerful because after something like that I think it's easy for people to just hold on to that. Like, well, you cheated. You're probably going to do it again. And then block you. Like it can block you from being happy. And then you're just in this torturous point in your relationship. Cause you're like, I'm not happy with them. I'm not happy without them. And do you think having that distance from him for that time that you guys, that you moved away was helpful in you really just discovering that and finding yourself? Yeah. yeah I think I definitely needed to be separated I think you know how they say distance makes the heart grow fonder for me it's like out of sight out of mind and I needed to not be around him I needed not I needed to not hear him apologizing or wanting to work things out every day although I did see him a lot it was on my terms like when he came to pick up banks or when I would drop banks off at his house and so it was nice to kind of have that space to breathe and process without him, you know, trying to give his two cents on what I needed to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's important too to always just take that distance. Even when you're in a great relationship, you know, have that time to reflect and remember to be okay with yourself. I think if we looked at relationships as two whole people coming together versus half and half, it would really change the dynamic of these kind of situations. So what advice would you have for somebody, if any advice that has been cheated on and they're having a hard time letting go of what happened in the past and they continue bringing it up and it's just tearing their relationship apart? Um, what advice would you have for them? Oh, I would say two things. One, you have to do the work on yourself because a lot of times we expect the other person has to fix themselves or they have to make it up to you and really you need to make it up to yourself and you need to find peace and healing in yourself and really shifting your mindset from thinking of forever and start thinking of your relationship as for now and for now we're together for now this makes me happy for now we're here for now I choose to be with them because when you think of forever, it kind of locks you into this like place of complacency and mediocrity and settling. Like, Ugh, well, they're going to be there forever, so who cares? Like, mm. they can say or do whatever, and they're still going to be there. No, nope, that's not. They're there for now. And when you think of someone as you can lose them at any time, you could leave at any time, and that you choose to be together every day, then that totally will change the way you approach your relationship. That's a really good point. Just thinking about how, yeah, it is really when you get married that you're like, oh, I took vows and now I can just become complacent because they'll be here forever. And maybe some people need to be reminded that like, I am, I mean, I told Jason that when we got married, I'm like, I am not somebody who gets complacent. Like, and I, just because we took these marriage vows or got married, like if things don't, if you know, you can't connect with me or whatever. If you shut me off or if it's not the relationship that I want, I'm not just going to stick around for the sake of sticking around. Like we are in this together. It's an everyday choice. We chose each other every morning before we got married and now it's the same exact thing. So I think that it's really, you have such a cool way of looking at that. And I think that's, you know, it's really admirable that you can look at it that way. Try. <laughs> We're all trying, right? Um, <laughs> so I guess the last thing I want to say or ask is, um, is there any just advice that you would have for somebody going through this? Any resources that you can offer besides your podcast, of course? Um, yeah, what do you have to offer someone that's maybe struggling with infidelity? Yeah, I would say just talk to someone. I know for Joe, he didn't talk to a lot of people. You know, guys don't usually talk to their guy friends about, well, I'm possibly thinking of cheating on my wife, you know, or <laughs> asking them for advice or emotional support. And he only felt comfortable talking to me, but I was a person he was having issues with, so he couldn't come to me in that moment. And had he had, had he had, if he would have had an outlet to kind of talk to someone, I feel like he would have had that support to kind of clarify his goals and what he really wanted, and he would have realized maybe, possibly, that he really just wanted to end the business mm. and maybe not end our marriage. He wanted me to be better and, you know, be the person who was invested in the relationship like I was before, and he didn't want the financial strain, and that would have been awesome. 
but he didn't have that person to talk to. And so I would just say, you know, if you're struggling, talk to someone. And sometimes you, you may think, I don't need to talk about it. Ugh, I hate talking to people. That's cool. I was like that too. But then I became a coach and I had to, you know, cross train with people and talk about myself. And I'm like, holy shit, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't even know I needed to talk about that when I talked about it, it just leveled me up and it helped me develop as a human being so much more. And yeah, I mean, talking to people, it's, it's underrated, but it's definitely necessary. It really is underrated. And I love that coaching is becoming more of a thing because I mean, even coaches need coaches. Just saying things out loud gives you clarity and and even um, taking away the stigma of being able to talk to, and I know you're such an advocate of men being able to open up about their feelings and emotions. And um, Jason always brings up toxic masculinity. He'll like bring stuff up and be like, that's an example of toxic masculinity. Uh, because, you know, we, we've, we're starting to recognize the impact that, that that has on men and relationships in just so many different ways. So yeah, that's really, really good advice talking, starting there and then going on if you need to. But, um, well, Elsie, thank you so much for being so open and just willing to share your story and to heal others through your own story. And yeah, just for taking the time to come talk to me on here. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited for our conversation next. So <laughs> it's nice that this is just like the appetizer and then we're going to have another appetizer Yes, and I'm telling, like I said, a really juicy story that I've never told publicly. So I will let you guys know when that episode um, drops. So Elsie, where can our listeners find you, connect with you? Are you taking on clients? What's going on with you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at wakeupelsie. And I am taking clients. If you like to talk to me for my energy on this podcast, Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any feedback for this episode, your thoughts, or if you have someone you want to suggest to come on, or if you yourself want to come on and you have a topic you want to share, let me know. As always, connect with me on Instagram at Lauren M. Kepler. And yeah, that's all I have for you today. So can't wait to chat with you again next week. But until then, remember that you are enough and you are doing enough.